Hi, I'm Liz Powers. I'm the co-founder and chief happiness spreader at Art Lifting, and you're listening to Tech in Boston. So first of all, thank, thanks for doing this, and a uh, quick shout out to Rob from Hourly Nerd for connecting us. Um, so we're uh, here in downtown Boston, Leather District. Uh, tell us about Art Lifting for the people that might not know who you guys are and what you're up to. Sure. So Art Lifting combines the words art and uplifting. We're a social enterprise that supports homeless and disabled artists. Uh, so when people hear a mission, they think, wow, that's pretty niche. Um, but it's actually a lot less niche than you would expect. There are thousands of existing art groups and shelters and disability centers across the country. So, so did you like see other people that were doing the similar thing and, and you wanted to get into this, this world? Like how did you, how did you get to starting this, this business? Yeah, great question. <laughs> um, so I've worked with homeless individuals for the last 10 years. Okay. And to start, I was doing casework and then I was full-time running art groups in local shelters. Okay. Um, you said, so you kind of had a, like, you, you and I exchanged emails for a minute before this and you had a kind of like a philosophy on, um, you know, homelessness in general. And, uh, you, you said something like you don't believe in like handouts or something like that. You want to, you want to create op- more opportunity. Can you talk more about that philosophy a little bit? Oh, sure. Um, it's not as much what I believe in. Um, yeah. it's from the last decade sure. of working with homeless individuals yeah. and I've heard over and over, you know, Liz, I don't need another handout. I don't need another sandwich. I just want opportunity, and I want the ability to change my own life. So after a decade of listening, I've reflected on that a lot, and art lifting is purposely creating this opportunity to help people share their talents and earn their own money. So what is that opportunity? Go into like how, how your business works, uh, and even why you think of it as a business, not necessarily like a nonprofit per se. I'm interested to hear that. Sure. Yeah. So we have three sales channels. One is e-commerce where we sell on-demand prints, products like iPhone cases. And then we have corporate sales. So bulk sales of artwork and products like notebooks with our art on it. And then also licensing the idea of a Ralph Lauren dress with art lifting work or Nike shoes with art lifting work. That stuff exists today? No, that's our third sales channel. Um, We did just start, um, we just closed our first licensing deal with Lisa, which is an amazing e-commerce mattress company. What did it take to get in front of of those guys? Uh, We are actually connected through Tom's. Um, So the founder of Tom's is one of our investors, and the Tom's team connected us because Lisa is also a for-profit, for-purpose company. Gotcha. All right, and then... um Go into how the how the how things work behind the scenes for people that that don't know. So somebody creates a piece of art, like, a how do you how do you go and get it? How do you find it? Um, you pay people for it. Sure. How does that whole thing work? Yeah. So there are thousands of existing art groups. So one misconception, common misconception, is that we're running art groups. Actually, at Art Lifting, we're just art brokers. 
So we're yeah. working with this existing infrastructure and curating the top artwork cool. and selling. So you're not it. like walking down the street like trying to find find artists. Yeah, yeah. No, definitely not. And um, that's a common assumption. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, but we're actually purposely working with artists in those art groups cool. because then they have a support network. They have caseworkers, um, and we can you know feel really good that we're helping better people's lives. That's awesome. And they and so if if somebody sells a piece of art like through you, what happens? Um, yeah, so basically, like before we existed, the option was one time selling an original for 20 bucks on a street corner. Now uh, we've sold originals for as much as 2500 and then artists can make unending amounts of money through the prints and products. That's amazing. So, what, what go, how, how do you know like that this is, uh, well, this might just be a bigger art question than it yeah. is related to what you guys yeah, are doing. Yeah. How do you know that something is $20, $20 or $2,500? Like, is there a whole process for that? Yeah, so we have, uh, well, to be clear, we don't sell any originals for $20. Right. Um, but with the setting of being on the sidewalk, um, it's hard to get much sure. more from that. Yeah. Um, so we have a whole curation committee, and they all have backgrounds in art and art history. Um, so they help decide what artwork is a good fit. And in terms of pricing, it's a two-part. Um, the artists actually tell us, okay, I want at least this amount of money for the piece. So if they say, I want at least $500, then we sell it for at least 1000 because the artists, just like a normal gallery that has a 50-50 split, we have 55% of the profit go back to the artists. That's awesome. Um, and then you guys do, so what's the difference between being a nonprofit and uh, your type of business? Yeah, great question. So we're a public benefit corporation, which pretty much no one knows exists. Um, it's a new kind of filing status that's in between you know, a quote-unquote normal company, like a C corporation, and a 501c3. Gotcha. So, did, did you know that before starting this, or were you like, you knew you wanted to do this and you wanted to explore, like, the best option to build a business around this? No, from the beginning, we knew we wanted to be a, a for-profit social okay. enterprise. Uh, my background was in nonprofits, and um, many times I felt like my hands were tied in terms of scaling our impact quickly. Right. And you said something like, you said, uh, this is an email to me, you said that in order to make like a real a sustainable change, or maybe this is from the website, in order to make a sustainable change, we need to run a financially sustainable business. Exactly. So you need money to actually be able to do the type of stuff that you want to do. Right, and to be able to scale really quickly. Like, we just started two years ago, and we're already working with artists in 11 cities across the country. That's awesome. Um, what's a, give, give us like a, a good, like, a success story like what's the story that you're always talking about when it when it comes to to this business and somebody that's sold a piece of artwork or something yeah yeah so uh, and to give a little background in terms of the finances so we just started my brother and i started with four thousand dollars of our savings yeah and we're able to bootstrap that to revenue in the six figures yeah i was gonna ask you so you guys raised uh i guess seed round mm -hmm. uh this fall from a bunch of interesting investors but until that point, you had just you and your brother just bootstrapped this thing. And what were the last two years like bootstrapping this? Um, it was pretty exciting. Yeah. Uh, you know, it was a big test at the beginning. We, you know, just put in the small amount of money that was mostly to cover legal fees to start a business. And it was crazy how much press we got and um, how that drove traffic and so, drove yeah. revenue on our e-commerce. Like the major, like would you say that the press and just word of mouth drove? 
the entire business for the first two years? Oh, yeah. We didn't pay a cent for marketing until very recently. Awesome. What, what are you yeah. doing on the marketing side of things now? Yeah, so we're testing out there. I mean, there are obviously so many options yeah. in terms of you know, so many yeah. um, all different paid search possibilities. So we're testing different channels out right now. And then but like, are you seeing, trying to from a marketing perspective, are you trying to compete with like other people that are selling art or is there specific like persona or, or niche that you're going after? Yeah, so we're really, we're not a typical art company. Um, we're really, I think of us as a social branding company. Cool. And you know, we sell all different products. So in terms of like who our competitors are, I don't see it as other art companies. Yeah. Um, I see us as a really unique business that is changing lives. And that's a big reason about why people are working with us. Yeah, and I mean, so you see it across like so many businesses. A lot of the businesses today that are that are winning Mm-hmm. compared to the older businesses are businesses that have uh, a mission, right, or a, or a cause. Like, it's not just about buying something anymore. People want to spend their money in places that they feel like they're they're doing some good with that. Exactly. And, you know, look at Tom's for an example. They didn't have any investment money. They bootstrapped to a valuation of $660 million. Yeah. So it shows the power of story and um, the power of social mission because then all of your customers become your marketers. Yeah. So you guys raised like a, a million, a little 1. over a million. 1.3, yeah. 1.3 from founder of Tom's Shoes. Mm-hmm. Who else? Um, the author of Lean Startup, yep, Eric, Eric Reese. Um, how, how did you get connected with those those people? Yeah, great question. <laughs> like, you know, you, you and your brother starting this business with four grand and then, you know, two years later you're, you're networking with these people and putting money in your business. Yeah. So in terms of the pitching, so our COO, Kelly McKenna and I went out and pitched all different investors and that was, um, you know, we were basically meeting with anyone we could. And even if they weren't clearly not a good fit for us, you know, a, a venture capitalist who only yeah. puts in 10 million. Um, but yeah, in terms of, you know, how we uh, met a lot of our investors. Some of it was actually just cold emails and some of it was the meetings that we had, you know, sharing our mission. And yeah. then they said, you should talk to Blake. Or had, had they heard of you before? Like was word starting to get out about what you guys were doing? Um, yeah, some of our investors had. Uh, part of why we actually raised our rounds in a month and part of why we raised it so quickly was because we weren't just an idea on paper. Um, we had proven, okay, we started with pretty much nothing, $4,000, right. and have the proof of revenue in the six figures. For sure, and especially in the, the times right now where all the you know fundraising is tightening up, I'm sure it helped to have two years of business and operating experience to go to investors and say, hey, we ha- this is our real plan. We need the money to actually scale this thing, not to start it. Exactly. Yeah. Um, what, what have you learned about running running a business? So, like, we interview founders and entrepreneurs, CEOs all the time on this podcast, and uh, it's always interesting to hear from first time founders like what you thought things were going to be like and what they're actually like running the business on a day to day. Definitely, and um, I'm definitely an out of the box co founder. Um, you know, my background was doing social work and yeah. running art groups and shelters and. Scaling an e-commerce business is yeah, very different for from sure. that. But at the um, end, of, but this is the core. Like the problem that you're solving is something that you're really close to. Completely. So I think that probably makes a huge difference mm-hmm. versus just you get thrown into being you're running a business without a sense of the cause. Like exactly. Um, but one big learning has been figuring out how to balance time. 
Um, look, we have three sales channels. So as I was mentioning, yeah. e-commerce, licensing, and corporate sales. So it's a lot to balance and juggle. Um, so that's taken a lot of discipline of thinking, okay, of the chart um, of time versus profit. Like, okay, this could be a long-term big time investment, but it has the potential for millions in profit. Um, so it's really helped learning from advisors about being analytical and um, thinking about, you know, those business skills. Figuring out which decisions to act on now versus later. Yeah. Yeah. But also how much of my time to invest in each of the sales channels. How often do you balance, how often do you use those advisors and investors to bounce that stuff off of? Is it like a weekly thing where you're like, Hey, here's the two, three things that we're thinking about. Like, yeah, very, very often. Um, I'll probably ask at least one of our advisors a question every day. (laughs) Um, so we're really blessed to have so many advisors across the country um, who have different specialties. So, you know, if we're having a tough licensing question, I have licensing advisors or um, trying to figure out how to scale marketing. Um, yeah. Amy Jo Martin is one of our advisors who has over a million Twitter followers and can help us scale. Yeah, it's always nice to have somebody like that that you can just send something to be like, can you share this and help spread the word about this thing we're announcing even? Like someone with a big following is helpful. Definitely, yeah. What about Boston specifically? What's, what's your experience been like um, building a company here? It's been absolutely amazing. Um, so we started at the Harvard Innovation Lab, which was incredible because, first of all, I wasn't just sitting in my apartment alone. Um, <laughs> you actually but, felt like you were going into work every day. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but we couldn't afford an office, so it was perfect. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, but also, even though it's such a diverse group of people, uh, you know, people working on medical devices or... Um, building tiny houses, you know, total, total range. But we have many things in common of, you know, how do you market? Um, What are typical hiring practices? How do you start doing payroll? Um, So that was an amazing environment to be in. And then we're in Mass Challenge after that. So so that was, you know, similar experience of learning from peers and advisors. What's so so amazing, like the one thing that everybody says is that they can't believe how helpful the community in Boston has been. Have you found the same thing? Just people always there to give it, you know, maybe it's for business, maybe it's just help, personal questions. Yeah, I think um, it, it it's ex- the part of why advisors are so excited to help entrepreneurs is because it um, keeps their life exciting too. Because, <laughs> yeah. you know, we're, we're facing, yeah. you know, 35 challenges a day and it's a great thought experiment for, you know, okay, well, 20 years ago when I was facing the same thing, this is what I did. Yeah. Uh, another really helpful thing for us was the Thai Scale Up program. I don't know if you've heard no, about them. No. So they're uh, a new program and uh, Thai has been around a long time, but Thai Scale Up is for companies that already have funding, already have seed financing and helping you get to the next step with Series A. And it was like a mini business school for me, um, which was amazing. You know, top HBS professors and yeah. deans coming in to teach classes. This is before you raised the 1.3? No, or? this it just You're ended a it couple now. weeks ago. Cool. Um, so it was a four-month accelerator from the winter till um, April. That's awesome. I'm sure that was helpful, especially around that time. Um, what, what's something that you wish that uh, we were doing better as a community here in Boston or just something that we can improve on? Oh, that's a great question. Um, 
I think one thing that the community is working on in general is supporting female entrepreneurs. Yeah, for sure. Um, how, how do we how do we do that? Like this comes up. We've done sixty episodes, and I think it's come up mm-hmm. every time. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a it's a hard topic because a lot of people mention it, but not a lot of people like there aren't a lot of great people that are, that have had very tactical plans. Like here's how we go fix that. Or here's exactly. How we, so like, we're curious to get your take on that. Yeah, so like w- one um, form of helping that population grow is I helped run Women in Mass Challenge, cool. which is a group of um, all different female entrepreneurs and founders. Um, and it was just a, a biweekly roundtable, uh, and we'd bring in successful business leaders. Um, I, you know, I think of myself as an entrepreneur uh, first, not, you know, as a female entrepreneur. For sure, yeah. Um, but you know, with all of the press out there, 3% of VC funding going to female CEOs. It's just like being your head against the wall crazy. (laughs) So we do need to be very aware of the challenges. And um, there are, you know, some moves going for creating support networks for creating more female entrepreneurs, but totally agree that it's a really hard (laughs) problem to tackle. The thing that's hard is that uh, like a lot of companies that have that have been in existence for a while, it's really hard to like go back on that. Mm-hmm. Um, just like if you if you all of a sudden if you you start growing your company and you have a team of just like thirty white dudes, it's going to be really hard to like to break that. Just because people don't want to work in an environment that's not diverse anymore, and so now it's amazing to have like a small core team. And if, if you build in having a diverse team from day one, mm-hmm. that seems to be like the way that a lot of people are starting to to get better at this is mm-hmm. making a priority from day one exactly. as new companies continue to grow. Exactly. Cool. Uh, we'll plug art lifting before we sign off and how can people uh, learn more about what you guys are doing and maybe get some stuff from you. Yeah. So you can go to artlifting.com and check out all the products that we have and artwork. Um, one thing a lot of people think is, well, I don't really need art right now, but we have, we're like the perfect place for gifts because you know, you're changing a life and the, um, gift recipient knows it too. Or if the walls of your office are not filled with art, there's no reason why you can't buy some art for your business. Exactly. And you can reach us at info at artlifting.com. Awesome. Well, thanks everybody for listening to this episode of tech in Boston. Uh, If you want to catch up on all the previous episodes, there's been over 60 of them. You can get them on iTunes uh, or SoundCloud. So just search for Tech in Boston. Thanks, and we'll talk to you soon.